Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hello loves, welcome back to another episode of The Sensual Revolution. I'm so excited for you to hear from today's guest. Emily O'Brien is someone I've been wanting to connect with for a long time. We were supposed to speak on the same panel like long, long ago and then COVID hit and that didn't end up happening. But here we are having this conversation and I'm so excited to share it with you. So Emily is an entrepreneur. She's the founder of Comeback Snacks, which is a specialty popcorn company challenging the status quo. After being sentenced to a four-year jail term stemming from her battle with addiction, Emily set out on the mission to get clean and transform herself, making her time in jail meaningful, and you'll get to hear about that today. Having had the lived experience of being incarcerated and knowing the hardships of that and re-entering society, Emily's super driven to help remove the stigma around people with prior convictions and to give them opportunities for reintegration through training, empowerment, education. She's a leading voice in this movement. She's been featured in CBC, CTV, Vice, and it's such a powerful conversation that we get into around her experience with incarceration, launching her business from prison, talk about the stigma surrounding incarcerated folk, the dangers and harm caused by labeling people, the importance of taking accountability while practicing self-compassion, and we challenge the very real use of humiliation tactics that get used all the time in the system. I'm also excited to share that I finally created a page on my website that succinctly demonstrates, outlines all of the offerings that I have. So it's marleylist.com slash workwithme. You'll see information on my group coaching program, the Sensual Wholeness Academy. You'll see info on my one-to-one coaching containers, on my book, my eBooks, my speaking services, the Fuck Compet Support Club, which is a space for queer and questioning folks. You'll see mini courses, so many different things. So definitely check it out. Um, It's all on there. There are free offerings as well as paid ones for you to dive into and to hopefully feel really resourced. So let's get into the conversation and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with Emily O'Brien, who I've been wanting to connect with for so long and also just won like, woman, what was that? Woman of Distinction, like Woman of the Year Award or something? Oh, most, uh, one of the most inspiring women from um, 
by uh, yeah, by of 2021 from Slice TV. <laughs> How does that feel? Pretty cool. It was actually a complete surprise. I had no idea. Like they, we did an interview and the article came out and a lot of people saw it like all over. Like it was really cool. Like I got emails about it. Um, it was on like MSN. You know, like some things are picked up on one site and then you see them like on another site. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like those bigger ones. And then they kind of trickle down to the other ones or whatever. So yeah, it was on there. And then, yeah, then um, they tagged me in something and I was like, oh, what is this? And then they actually selected me as like one of the most inspiring women of 2021. That's so exciting. That's really cool. Yay. Okay. So I always like starting with this question, which is like, who are you in this chapter of your life? Mm-hmm. I guess I'm, I've always been the same person. I'm Emily O'Brien. And I guess in this chapter, I'm the same person but one who has different focuses and you know much better established boundaries and much more comfort with other things in my life and you know just a lot more ability to say no to things whereas before I was kind of just you know when you're young you just kind of say yes to everything whether it's like you want to or they want to you just kind of do it and make mistakes or good things happen and now it's like I feel like I I have like the life where it's I I'm not afraid to like say no anymore and also like defend my, my, the value of my time as well. Yeah. That's so huge. I feel like that's like 95% of the work I do with people and the work I do on myself is like boundaries, being able to say no, like valuing our time to such a big degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad that you're, you're in that place. And it's like, so contrary to everything that we're conditioned to do so yay for that can you tell us (laughs) more about the work that you do and like comeback snacks and definitely a big question but what led you to that work of course so I'm the founder and owner of comeback snacks which is a popcorn company and I started that when I was actually in prison um surprise which was actually it wasn't surprise surprise it was surprise <laughs> um, <laughs> because I just had never been incarcerated before like I'm sure I'd been I'd been a little risky in my life but I I ended up on a trip with the this guy that I was seeing and I was struggling with you know cocaine some cocaine and alcohol use at the time with, based on other shit that was going on in my life and went on a trip with him and he arranged for us to bring drugs back and like last like next thing I know basically I'm having two kilo kilograms of narcotics dropped my body and put on an airplane and I didn't want to do it and I was scared and but I just wanted to go home because I didn't want to mess with that world and who these people were Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to go home and the only person that I could trust was him was the one I when he said everything will be fine nothing bad will happen I trusted him because I was the only person I could really trust even though he'd kind of just betrayed me the whole time Mm -hmm. um anyway I got arrested at Pearson airport in Toronto and from then I had to be on house arrest which was a whole different experience because I was 26 at the time I had my own condo well not my own I rented it let's be serious here it is Toronto (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) um, so I I had to move back into my mom's house and just go through this whole crazy ass new system that was so controlled and I just felt so misunderstood and I couldn't really have a voice I couldn't talk about my side of the story a because I was scared about the people down there I'm like I I don't want to mess in that world and b just because my in the legal system everything is just so con- constrained to what like what they think is, is best and they that's how so many of these like plea bargains happen is because your lawyer just tells you to plead guilty and look at you like a lesser sentence right and mm-hmm. but on the other side I knew that I had 
made some decisions and didn't make and made some or, or lack thereof, right? Like just let things slide. And that kind of led to me, you know, not having boundaries and just saying yes to go, going on trips with someone that I probably shouldn't have gone on with. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I knew I could have done things differently. Some things, not everything, because that's how, how life is. Yeah. Um, end up in prison for four years. Well, I got a four-year sentence. And in Canada, that does not mean that you're in there for four years. That just means that's how long you are supervised by the system by. And so I mm-hmm. was in four year and then I had six months and a halfway house and the rest is on parole, which I'm finishing this week. Yay. Getting any trouble. Anyway, so I guess that's, that's <laughs> talking about how I got like anything. Anyway, so Comeback Snacks is basically centered around the re, um, re-empowerment of people that have gone through the system and how people that have made mistakes for like, and end up, involve or in conflict with the law it's very very difficult for people to get started again because they are just completely kind of battered every day even after they're done their time and this by the time you're in there and by the time you're out you feel like you're not good at anything and Mm -hmm. I saw everyone I met in there was just so smart and nice and and made a mistake and just wanted to feel like they were worth something and so popcorn was a popular prison snack and so I decided to kind of make a popcorn business and see how that would go but by also creating a platform where people could use their voice to share about their experience and also by making helping to make bigger changes with the law and one of them just happened actually like from working with an mp in oakville um we actually fought for the the um the reduction in fees for a pardon prior to that it was like thousand dollars and now it's like like a hundred so mm-hmm. that was just like one of the things that we're fighting for so amazing Re- comebacks fighting for comebacks and anyone can yeah. go through shit it's just about taking responsibility and accountability yeah yeah <laughs> no it's so amazing and I mean it's such a it's such a story it's like it would be a shame if you were just like let me condense that into one sentence so I'm glad <laughs> that you shared with us and like there's just so many aspects of it that are so um transformative to think about and also sounds like it was such a scary experience. And I think it's so wild that in our culture, like we're just taught to group all criminals as like bad people and all these things. And mm-hmm. like, I imagine that it was incredibly um, pivotal for you to like be identifying yourself as that. And I'm, I'm curious how you're able to like challenge the beliefs that criminals are like bad people or failed members of society, like all of these stigmas, like how are you able to challenge those instead of just like totally internalizing them? Or did you have a period where you were like, I'm not good enough either? Like, yeah. Um, I always knew who I was. Like, I always knew that I grew up being a good person and, you know, being risky, sure. Being cute, but my curiosity turned into being risky right and often the two and two go hand in hand um Mm. but even just like the word criminal for example it's like what what even is that is that someone that's always breaking law like is Mm. it someone that just breaks the law once and how did they even break it right and but most of the time and especially in women's prison people don't break these laws because they want to harm other people and that's yeah. when we think of the word criminal we think of like people that are harming others mm-hmm. and of course there's always it's usually other victims right whether it's like the family right of someone that's trafficking drugs or 
there's a violence in, in the household or, or something like that right and or if someone makes you know drinking and driving for example is something where it's someone might be struggling and cause injury to someone else um doesn't mean it's you you can't you can't you, everyone there needs to be justice for any kind of wrong doing I think absolutely, mm-hmm. but I think that depending on the severity or like how the offense was committed, was it committed because they were trying to survive, or they, was it committed because they are in like extreme poverty, or they felt unsafe, or they were trying to protect their kids? And most women were in prison for for that reason, mm-hmm. and and yeah, it was just it was just mind like eye opening, and or also people that with mental Ill, like mental illness that was and they're treated as criminals when it's something that's going on inside their head, and like prison is no place for someone with mental illness right yeah. so um yeah it just really opened up my eyes and I think changing the whole language and stigma around it just came from remembering who I was before and mm-hmm. not letting someone or a system tell me who I was yeah that takes so much power and like strength and I'm so glad that you've never lost that or like bought into those beliefs because I think yeah I think I did at first like when I got arrested and because I realized that I did hurt like a lot of people like my family you know and and then also other people were telling me yeah like you know your life's over and then there's definitely a point you have to be like just sad and pissed off because you have to feel like shit if you want to change like if I didn't Mm -hmm. give a shit oh sorry I don't know if I'm allowed to swear oh swear 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 well like if I didn't care then like (laughs) that would actually mean that I was actually a pretty big narcissist right so and and thought it was like all about me but I actually did care and I had to be sad and I had to want to make some changes but not change the entire person that I was because I knew that the entire person that I was wasn't someone that was going out and committing these reckless crimes just so I could buy a Lamborghini from selling coke or something right if mm-hmm. it's so like I just wanted to go home yeah. yeah what I love about like what you're sharing too is just the awareness that there are like so many reasons that mm-hmm. people end up like taking those actions that lead to incarceration and like I think so much of the time we just look at the one person and we're like this one person is shitty or like this one person is bad this one person lacks like a moral compass but then in what you're saying it's like no there's so much more to it there's so many reasons why people end up in those situations and even like without knowing all the details of your experience like it sounds like there was a lot of coercion Mm -hmm. as well and like lack of consent you weren't like hey sign me up for this crime I'd love to do it like it Mm. sounds like there was a lot of of that when you're in another country it's like you have nowhere to go and like the Canadian government has no control like right you could it's like do or die down there and then when you but when you bring the cocaine over or whatever drug it is it's automatically treated as a crime first Mm -hmm. not against the woman not against the girl who's essentially muled or whatever like forced into it and some people do go into it because of poverty right and so again there are all these and but these these higher up drug traffickers will take advantage of marginalized women who don't know any better and it's Mm -hmm. and it's it's not making society safer by putting people like that are already marginalized in jail for four years i guess it's it's just it just doesn't make sense so there are alternatives and luckily I'm, I'm working with yeah like a lot of government officials on it right now because it's like I'm, I'm not afraid to talk about it and a lot of people are still afraid to talk about it right like they're terrified mm-hmm. and uh, I'm like nope like <laughs> I'm gonna talk about it yeah. So, yeah yeah I feel that I'm like yes to being loud about live experiences and 
all of these things what has it been like to like create comeback snacks and like to feel that mission every day and to kind of be creating community around um destigmatizing incarcerated lives like what has that whole experience been like I think it's been like how I, I wish there was like a metaphor I'm trying to think of a metaphor but it's it's like putting on it's like getting to pick from a wardrobe every different day and having a new outfit and like just feeling so proud like in a new outfit because it's something new and like that's the that, or it's like whether it's like new growth or something because every day I just meet so many more people and maybe they're not necessarily people that have broken the law but maybe it's people that have struggled with substance use or like abusive partners or you know just trauma in the past mm-hmm. or maybe it's, it's people's parents who and their kids are going through it and it's like okay how can we help our our child mm-hmm. um Right. So I think the fact that it's not just strictly about people coming back from incarceration, but people come getting through difficult times and and really realizing that you can help someone, whether it's in the form of like an email or connecting them with someone or even just a nice text or you can help people in so many different ways. And the more that you realize how you can help people, that's how you can get creative and start to create more communities and and really help to serve a lot lot of people that need it that you never even thought of. Right. So hmm that's so amazing do you feel like before going to prison do you feel like you held a lot of those like stigmatized beliefs and the idea that like all criminals are dangerous like this kind of thing do you feel like you were holding that and then you got to prison and you had this like eye-opening experience of humanizing the people around you or do you feel like even before you had that experience you you always knew there was like so much more nuance to people um I think I was afraid of violence always I... but um uh, but like yes and you know what I mean like I think I thought there'd be a lot more violence than there was mm. but I also knew that when I was going in it was just people right and that I had mm. I was I didn't have anyone to like impress and I also had you know light at the tunnel on the way out so it's like I I knew what I had to do when I was in there and a lot of people don't like a lot of people that is their home and like that is their family and that is their community so it's like what's the point of trying to get out right um but I think yeah like the media doesn't really help either you know everything is so sensationalized but when I went in I was like I wasn't really afraid I was just kind of like ready to learn and I know that like just from being kind of like a little rough around the edges just in terms of like my feistiness like I've always been in like I haven't been in fights, but I've always been just like boxing and scrapping and, you know, just horsing around and, and that kind of stuff. And, and just going on trips as a, like, a you know, when I was young, as this like adventurous, I didn't really worry about a lot of those things. Like, I think that's why I wasn't really afraid because I'd just gone on so many different adventures as a child and, and as an adolescent, like I went to Costa Rica by myself when I was 18 and I wasn't afraid, right? Whereas yeah. people start now to be like, what? Like, you know, <laughs> or I had no cell phone. Like I did like wow. a picture camera and I, I had to call my parents with this calling card from a pay phone. Costa yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine parents now? Like I can't see people. Like they would no, have they text me day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd be like tracking your location. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so real. Yeah. I love that you had that, that knowing. And I think just like being in the restorative justice space, because that's like so much of the work I do too. Like so much of it is about challenging this idea that there's this binary of good people over here and bad people over here. And it's like this idea that it's that clear and that we should 
keep those two sides of humanity absolutely separate. And it just is so, it's so limiting. And I think it's really like unloving, <laughs> like, uh-huh. right. And so I just, I really appreciate also easy. the work you're doing. It's easy for people to do it. It's yeah. easy for people to do it. What do you find are like the biggest kind of challenges? Cause like, I know I get this in my work and I know you do a lot of speaking and advocacy. So I'm sure you get a lot of pushback of people like challenging the work you're doing or the ideas you're bringing forward. What are some of the the narratives you hear when people challenge you and like, how do you respond to that? Oh, you know, like blonde drug smuggler. So typical, right. Rich blonde girl. Like, and I was like, I was never rich. Like my parents are not rich. Just <laughs> <laughs> because I went to university, which I paid for myself. Just not, like, so people like condense everything and they take, they put you in, in like a box. Right. right? Um, or it's like, you know, you see the things of like service them right. Or whatever, do the crime, you do the time. Just like those like annoying, like catchphrases that have been like so tacky for so long. Mm-hmm. right and and people not really having having context like if you think of it as like if it was your mom or your daughter like you would want to know more, first that they were okay right mm-hmm. I mean depending on what, on what it was like I'm talking about like maybe like a drug, drug crime or something like that I'm not talking about gruesome like we're talking about like kind of like the medium scale mm-hmm. here right Just because it is there's there's a scale um yeah but um yeah like the, you'd want to know like that your kid was okay or that your mom was okay and you'd you, you'd always take your side but it's so easy to just like hate a stranger and so if you can try to just get people to picture if that was their own family member like what would they what would they do and how would they think mm-hmm. think differently and it's so easy to hate someone until it happens to them right yeah yeah so that's when people kind of start to learn more about restorative justice is when like they've either like chosen to forgive or someone has forgiven them and they they thought like it would never happen to them and they've tried to hide these things that they've done forever and, and then, it, then it comes out right and mm-hmm. right so yeah 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 thank you for that I feel like it's everywhere in our culture too this idea that like you do something bad and then you're unredeemable or you're like labeled a bad kid Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, it's so similar. Can you share more about some of the reasons that it's so challenging for people to re-enter society after incarceration? Of course. I mean, number one is financial, right? You're in jail. You're not, you're not making any money. The state kind of like uses you as, as a slave to get their stuff done. Um, and if anything, most job, most crimes are committed because of poverty, um, mm-hmm. or addiction, right? Because, right. So, um what good is it going to do if like you know you go out and you have no money and then you can't get a job so that's another thing Portuguese can't get an apartment so you know housing mm-hmm. uh, is another one and three is like you know rehabilitation and uh, um from you know substance use and m- most substance use is because of trauma right. um I met so many women there that had horrific horrific things done to them and then state or the, the whatever the, it reinforces that with how they treat women like with the strip searching and the abuse and you know what do you, if you've been you know sexually assaulted in your life and then you have a, every time you want to go to church and you have to get, take off your clothes and bend over and right it's not exactly helping you heal so there's no healing from this trauma it just reinvigorates this trauma mm-hmm. um so yeah there's financial emotional mental and i guess personal feeling of that you're worth something you're not really told anything there's no like character development classes or like you know like what people do when they're, when they're wanting to make a change in that like, right, it's like how can I find my skills and, and stuff like that there's not really any of that in there um mm-hmm. and even basic stuff like I think there should be more like basic like 
personal development classes. Like they have some stuff, like, you know, I'm not going to trash it completely. Like they have, they have education, which, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. But there's just, I think there needs to be more, more like a more recovery, more of a model of recovery instead of a model of punishment and keeping it in this box because you can't really recover until you know that you're, you're kind of moving past what happened. Um, mm-hmm. Not meaning you forgetting what happened, but that you learn from it and that you actually, you do know that you are worth something. And that's what the corrections really needs to do. Cause what do you, why are you called corrections? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm so with you. And it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Cause it's just like, what, where's the logic of being like, okay, someone did something that's like classified as a crime. Mm-hmm. We're going to just like put them in a timeout in this like, space where they're deprived of like so many human rights and whatnot and then and like are being shamed and isolated and labeled and all these things and then they're going to come out and be like expect them to change and it just doesn't it's like where are are the resources Mm -hmm. yeah and I was just like I knew that I had my family my family's back um and they had mine right Mm -hmm. and so a lot of people don't necessarily have their family and they I also had my family's like encouragement to do it right mm-hmm. and there are a lot, a lot of like families or you know cultures that are like you're never talking about this again so it really depends um but for me that I knew I knew that I had something then I knew that this is like you just sometimes you just see things and you can either ignore them or like everything just lights up mm-hmm. and then you see everything like shooting stars planets like you just see the whole goddamn solar system and then you realize okay like this is the galaxy that I'm going to conquer and it just all makes sense it goes from being like a black hole to like this galaxy where you can you can see everything mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of I knew it that I had to take this as as an opportunity to do some change and and create change because that's truly how you do your best work is I think when you have lived experience with something and you go through the pain you go through the good and then you keep going because it's always going to be lived experience because you still lived it mm-hmm. and you know, it doesn't just stop being lived experience because it, you're not going through it anymore. It's yeah. a part of your life forever. I feel that too. And I feel like that's like so much of what this podcast and like the work I do is about is like, we have these experiences that might be really shit. And if we're able to turn it into impact making, and if that can feel empowering for us, do that. Mm-hmm do that Mm -hmm. so it's so amazing to see you do that do you feel in moments like it's like more exhausting than it is empowering or do you feel like you're just like I'm on a fucking mission and you're like rocket fuel (laughs) oh no of course of course you get exhausted but like that's why you need fuel right it's yeah it it, it can be tiring of course it's tiring life is tiring right whether whether it's good or bad like even if you love running you can't run forever (laughs) your knees are gonna give out right and you're gonna be dehydrated so you know, in order to keep having like a, like having that endurance, that motivated endurance, you have to be able to, to take breaks and, you know, you, your mind can still be going, but like physically you need to, you need to take breaks. And so also I, I use my energy while, while I have it. Right. So mm-hmm. it's like, if I'm not tired, then I won't stop. Like, right. But if I'm tired, then I'll stop. So it's like, I, I really got to like listening to my body and everything like that. And instead of not doing this, like, Oh, I have to, you know, work X number of hours a day. It's like, I'm, I'm I'm a really good listener now. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. That's so key. Like I think so many of us are lacking that or we're just not taught 
to listen to our bodies or we're brought so far away from listening to our bodies. So that's amazing that you're doing that. What do you do for yourself when you're like really exhausted? Um, I honestly just watch TV because <laughs> even reading can be even reading yeah. can be tiring, right? If you're trying to like take in new information or even just like figure out what's going on, like reading stuff, it's not like oh, I'm just gonna relax and read. It's like no, that's like my I'm tired. Like I'll just eat, I'll make food, and, like lie in bed, like literally. That's all. <laughs> yeah, like just veg out. Do you do you watch like TikTok ever? Have you seen the the noodles, the pug thing? No, like I the no like, bombs. Not be on my phone. Like, <laughs> That's like, I'm good. On, I'm on my phone a lot. Like, so I don't. I just don't watch a lot of social media videos. That like, I, if someone sends something, like it's and there's certain accounts that are, you know, but it's not. I, I don't just, like sit and like really just, just scroll. Like, <laughs> there's just this like really cute pug named Noodles, and the the owner will like put the pug down, and if the pug stays standing because it's like so old so if it stays standing they'll be like today's a bones day like noodles the pug has bones that means you can like get up it's like a weather forecast like get up go to the things you need to do but if they put the pug down and it like flops over then they're like today's a no bones day stay in bed watch tv like just rest and it's been so cute because it's propelled this whole like mental health thing where people are like yeah we all need days where we're flopping over like an old pug and just like resting mm-hmm. oh so just- absolutely yeah for sure <laughs> for sure I mean like mine it's I definitely have more energy than mo- most people but um yeah yeah it's, honestly it's the biggest energy killer for me is like traffic but luckily there's not that much of it right now but because like before when I was starting to build the business I was just driving around everywhere delivering popcorn like from like 8 30 till like sometimes 11 at night right and then like I'll still go still go out and, and do stuff but I'm just more aware of like how much I drive and kind of the effects that it can have on me but driving is yeah. when I listen to music and like that's also like something that I love to do by myself also I feel like tell me if you feel this like for me, I feel like I have a lot of energy and motivation with my work because it's rooted, like you said, in lived experience. So there's like such deep in my bones passion around mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And like, I'm sure you feel that too, where you don't have to be like, oh, I need to get up and like make popcorn today. Like it's deeply rooted in this mission. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like so many other things I can, I can do. And even if it's like going out and visiting, if I'm really feeling sluggish, but I know I have energy, it's like, okay, I'm going to go. And maybe it's because of like, I don't know, the, not like the news, but just like things that happen here. It's like, sometimes it's just, you got to give yourself the extra. But, and it's like, okay, if I, once I get out of bed, then I know it'll be better. So like, I'll go and visit stores. And like, that'll re-energize me because I'll get to see people in person. Yeah. And stuff, right. But it would be hard for me to like do stuff on the computer all day. Cause I would just be like, uh, right. So it's like mm-hmm. that, that physical activity combined with, with work and and you know personal contact is something that kind of like revives the the, lull, the lulls that can happen yeah I'm curious like the labels that get put on people stigma wise like being unredeemable or like even just the word criminal like how do you see that impacting people on an emotional level and in terms of their sense of self um I think it can just like encourage people to be that mm. You know, um, it's like, well, if people are always going to think I'm a criminal, then I might as well just be one. <laughs> and just it's ingrained in them and whoever for so long, right? Um, yeah, it can just be very negative. It's, it's, it can be like just thinking about like the worst thing that you did, right? And mm-hmm. thinking you'll never get past that or having someone else 
will keep reminding you of that of that one thing and like how annoying does that get like sometimes it makes you mad it makes you want to just be like well screw you then right so mm-hmm. um labeling someone only makes it's not good for public public safety it's not good for the person and it's not good for the that actually is trying to you know start fresh or start you know get, move past this it's also bad for the perpetrator mm-hmm. because it just doesn't put people in a good place that actually you know this crush can is supposed to do after like if you're gonna label someone like that like it's hard to am i explaining this right yeah 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 it's like self-fulfilling prophecy kind of right it's like, like it's when like, someone accuses you of like cheating and like you're maybe you haven't been but then like once or something and then you go mm-hmm. out it's like are you cheating are you cheating are you cheating and then it's like well i might as well cheat then yeah <laughs> Right. Cause you're just like, I guess this is me. And this you're like, yeah. Yeah. It reminds me too. Like there was this, um, really cool, like experiment done at a school and there were two plants there. Have you heard of this? No. <laughs> oh, okay. There was like two plants there and they played around with this idea to like one of the plants, they gave them the same amount of water, sunlight and everything. But one of the plants, the kids would just say like horrible things to, they'd be like, you're a piece of shit. Like you're never going to grow <laughs> all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the other plant, they were like, Oh, we love you plant. You're so beautiful. And the one that they were really awful to like withered and died. And the other one was thriving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it like, uh, it also depends on the person too. Like for me, like I had to know that what I did was wrong and you have to see sometimes how much you hurt other people in that mm-hmm. process. You can be like, Oh, it's, everything's fine. Like, don't worry about it. Like, cause it definitely was not okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my whole family had to up, uproot their life and then change it. And I had to know that that really hurt them and they mm-hmm. still like love me like, unconditionally. So sometimes seeing the pain that you do cause, it can be a motivator to, to actually change and but that those people that are hurt also have to know that you can't keep saying keep pretending they forgive you when they haven't right Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it has to work both ways yeah it's definitely not all fluffy and everything's fine because again like that's bad too if you just let everything slide when when it's not okay yeah that's such a great distinction because I definitely hear that all the time with restorative justice like I'm like okay, I don't like if I'm not for like the punitive approach to it. And then people will be like, oh, okay. So you want them to get off with nothing or you want them to have like nothing at all. And there's actually like, like you're saying so much that lives in between that. And what I hear and what you're saying is like a process of real deep accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it, it sucks. It hurts. And, you know, and then at the same time, the person that hurt people was a victim, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. you're dealing with the pain that was caused upon you, the betrayal that was caused upon you and being so mad about that. And then also the fact that you hurt other people. So it's like this double dose of hurt, right? And you don't know where it goes sometimes. It's like, you feel like a, like a cheese string that's just being <laughs> and sometimes you like there's nothing left of you until yeah. then you just like, break down right so it's um it's it's definitely a, a process mm-hmm. um, for sure yeah. like the first two and a half years were a nightmare right because I was just living at my mom's house there's like a lot of uncertainty a lot of pain a lot of like you know financial bills that I was paying and then like I was like wow like I was just pissed you know um because mm-hmm. people a lot of people in my you know, some people in my circle were like, oh, like, how many times have you done this before? You know, it's so easy to like, just think, oh, of course. Right. Just because I mm-hmm. traveled a lot and, you know, just, um, 
it, so that was, it was just really hard. Right. And so I was in, in denial about a lot of things and you have to really realize how much people hurt you hurt because that's really how much they love you. Yeah. That's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you were saying too, about like helping people see that our loved ones have all like harmed people before. I mean, I believe every single one of us has both experienced harm and caused harm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So just exactly what you're saying of owning that and saying like, I am a person who was hurt in this experience and I also hurt others. I think that level of nuance is like really beyond what our what our punitive system is set up to grasp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And just work and yeah, like, like working restorative justice too. It doesn't mean it's all fluffy roses. It's, it's very difficult work, but that was like my motivator to keep going Yeah, because I knew that I could do it and I knew that's who I was. And that's who I also want to prove wrong. Were like the people that were trying to label me. And then once I did it, well, guess who shut up? They did. (laughs) (laughs) What has been like the most incredible part of creating comeback snacks? is just like knowing that no one has dirt on me and knowing that I can <laughs> change this because well in this in this world like it's freaking crazy like people if I didn't talk about this and then I got some other job and I did really well at it like someone would have tried to dig that up right right so, and unfortunately that's like the kind of the paranoid like nature of our society these days is like the witch hunting thing and like the cancel culture is a whole other thing that you know I guess it's kind of part of it it's like they, they, canceled totally this person. Yes. they, they did yeah. something which is now just happening everywhere um I feel like it's the punitive system on Instagram yeah (laughs) (laughs) literally until you're the one doing it right then it's like oh no yeah it's like go to Instagram jail like it's literally like the same (laughs) mentality (laughs) bullying someone like 10 years ago like you know what I mean like like I got it about like a phone back then because I'm sure I bullied and and I definitely got bullied right but I didn't like try to ruin someone's life 10 years later because of it yeah the fact that people can be like you said something not politically correct when you were 12 you're canceled (laughs) (laughs) so intense yeah Yeah. um wait what was the question (laughs) sorry what (laughs) I was like yeah like what's been most remarkable thing yeah it was just um just being able to like live my life and knowing that I have the strength to and like the confidence to, but not overconfidence. It's just content confidence to know that I, I'm doing the right thing and that I did the right thing and that no one with any kind of snide remark is going to change that. And um, I just hope the best for them in, in their life when, you know, they have to, they have to be forgiven because yeah. it won't help that day mm-hmm. and it maybe just hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, it's right? so true. Um, or they haven't got caught. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And you're employing people. Like you're in a mm-hmm. position where you're able to give people jobs and like specifically ex-convicts, right? Do you, is that the language that you use, ex-convict? Or is there a um, we say, I guess we say like former offenders. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like I don't mm-hmm. care if someone says ex-convicts. I'm like, yeah, like everyone says it anyway. But I think broadly now it's, um, the form oh the formerly incarcerated yeah right yeah 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 that um, makes sense. and yeah that's great because now like everyone that I talk to or like a lot of people that I talk to you know they're 
was saying, oh, I didn't know I, I could use this as like a position of strength, right? And just being honest and accountable. Because mm-hmm. how many people lie on their resumes these days? Like so many. Yeah. Their friends to be references, like, and <laughs> then making memes about it. <laughs> it's like, why are you basing? Like, you're getting your jobs on like just deceit and disdain for getting a job. When yeah. it's like someone that really needs a job would appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, that part and, and also in working with employers, right? And, um, you know, working with Sobeys and the Air Canada, or the Scotiabank Arena now, because we're in there. It's like, you're just opening up the possibility of reintegration and second chances for everyone based on these like bigger corporations, like actually believing in you and believing in what mm-hmm. you do. That's so amazing. That's like shifting the narrative on such a powerful level scratching out the narrative burning it and writing it burning out. the narrative to shit yeah it's huge. Not charge to arson. <laughs> oh my gosh wow and then so what does it mean for you that your parole's ending um it's exciting for yeah. sure because I just feel like it's like so surreal um mm-hmm. but again like the last year and a half I haven't really seen my parole officer that much and we've been on COVID rules so it's like, it's like I've been like dying to travel mm-hmm. I've just been I haven't left the country in six and a half years and now I now I can get my passport again and, and obviously have not having because I, I I work great with my parole officer but there are like certain things that I find really inappropriate for the the system and what it should have the ability to ask you like they ask you questions about your sex life and if mm-hmm. you don't tell them about your sex life you can go back to jail and as a woman, yeah. I think that's very, that's a form of like abuse, I think, and, and harassment and it's, and it's designed to humiliate and create mm-hmm. more shame. Yeah. And so like, just not having to I answer those questions or like lie about them. <laughs> Cause I was like, okay, don't, don't drink, don't do drugs. Don't break the law. Those are all fair. But mm-hmm. I don't think that like me telling them about my personal life has anything yeah. to do. It's just like, it's just like another form of control and humiliation that again, isn't corrections or rehabilitation it's it's just sending you back so that I'm very very relieved about I'm relieved that you know um I did it scotch-free you know I had no issues on my on my parole but again I did have the support and I did have the encouragement from society and and even like police officers now right so it wasn't it was pretty I don't want to say easy for me because you know there's definitely days when you're just like this I just like want to go to like Alberta or whatever (laughs) um Mm -hmm. But at this point, um, not getting involved or like not like knowing who I'm hanging out with, knowing who doesn't have the best intentions for me, like that's a much clearer for me now. Yeah. Right. So um yeah, it's it's exciting. And I can't wait to like go to different provinces now and visit the prisons and talk in the prisons and go to the states and like, like I'm gonna get a waiver. And now with all the, the political connections that I have um from the work that I've done and proven it, um, mm-hmm. it'll be like a lot easier. Yeah, yeah so I've, I've made connections with organizations all over the world that you know focus on prison reform and like the things that everyone around the globe is doing in different unique ways and so I can't wait to just go and go and explore again and learn and meet and help create impact so exciting and maybe we'll have, so- we'll have a glass of wine on my Instagram not hey. <laughs> a in the Instagram story close friends only yeah just like a hiding your story from your parole officer <laughs> well because you just never know who's watching so it's like it's not like I yeah. was a drinker like recently anyway but still it's like if I had like a glass champagne on New Year's it's like you just never know because you, yeah. you have to protect your neck you have until it's done 
never think it's done until it's done. Yeah. Oh, that's so intense. Like the surveillance levels are so intense and it's just, it's very interesting what you were saying about like the violation around knowing about your sex life and the invasiveness Mm. and that. And it just fascinates me because I'm like totally different experience, but same system. Like for me going through the courts for, for sexual violence as like a victim, I feel like a lot of the scenarios were the same. There's just like constant justification of humiliation and crossing sexual boundaries, like in order to get quote, quote justice. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just wild to me that like in every, um, in every position of the system, like that is being justified in different ways. And I, I do think it's horrible. And there's so much research that shows that shame is like the biggest driver of violence. So why are we using shame tactics to try and make the world safer? Like, it's just, it's such crap. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on that sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy for you that that's coming to an end and you're having like a bash for it. What's the, well, yeah. Let's see how much, I think it's over allowed 10 right now. So I'll keep it at that. Hey, COVID friendly parole ending. <laughs> Outdoor patio. <laughs> like an umbrella. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So limited right now. <laughs> Unless you like like winter sports, there's like not much you can do. Let's go skiing, skiing in the chat, yeah. <laughs> I originally I planned on like doing a really like a big one, like 100, 150 people. And yeah. then have all my like all the other um girls that I went to prison with like come and share their story and yeah. do it as like a little like fundraiser for all the stuff that they're working on or whatever they need help with because you know, a lot of them again, single moms. Not, not a lot of assistance or support and for a lot of them, a couple of them started businesses um and they're mm-hmm. like yeah you inspired me to do it I was like I want to help you get to the next level so um yeah they, and they're so excited to come come share it and yeah I'm so proud of them and then I'm gonna have my uh, prison music teacher who I recorded two songs with come so down cool. and- I didn't know that yeah but <laughs> like singing CD. are you a singer yeah especially my car karaoke <laughs> are you a singer will you give us a preview <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean we'll probably do karaoke on Saturday maybe I'll send you a video <laughs> yes yes thank you <laughs> amazing oh that's so cool you're doing such epic things in the world I'm like so inspired and I just feel I know our stories are obviously different but like I feel so much alignment in the like restorative spaces prison reform spaces and just all this work of like taking lived experience and making epic fucking change with it I'm just really here for it for anyone who wants to like learn about prison reform or any of these things like do you have any recommendations for a good starting point um, we have like a lot of stuff on our website, our Comeback Snacks website, to be honest, like yeah. there's a lot of resources there. There's also kind of like the stuff that I wrote about in prison, like when I was in prison, there's like a little bit of a blog there. And then, um, yeah, so I would just say start with our, start with our website and I share a lot of on our social media as well, like on our Instagram and just like the process and the journey and how, how kind of challenging it is but also the good stuff right you know and and Mm -hmm. getting over getting over the hill until you get to your next one (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. That's what we do at the gym. We do the hills classes, right? And why do we do that? So we can sweat and get stronger. Amazing. Um, I'll definitely link that in the show notes. Is there any other way that people can connect with you and support the amazing work that you're doing? Yeah, reach out to me on, on Insta. We all know that's a good, a good way. Um, M.O'Brien. And like you can put it in the in the in the bio or, or whatever and comeback snacks and then um emily at comebacksnacks.com is my uh email i feel like we've been supposed we were supposed to meet like a million times <laughs> i know we were supposed to meet a million times and like i think we we're supposed to like i don't know probably speak at the same events and stuff and then like yeah. COVID happened and it was like oh well hopefully now it's the endemic and then we can get those get that shit popping I agree. Yeah. I think, I think we're both ready to make giant waves. Ooh. Okay. Tell us like a really big dream you have for the work that you're doing and like the impact, like what's your like biggest dream for what happens I want to go around to prisons around the world and, and speak there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel oh, like that's a hundred percent happening. Yeah. And then yeah. who knows? like every day I find different like ways that I want to fix things or try to work on different stuff so you never know but once mm-hmm. I think of something then, I'll, then I usually do it yeah that's <laughs> like, so powerful what I love about these movements too is like there's such global communities in it all like you like tap yeah. into the the prison farm space and then you're like wow like like you said you've been able to connect with people all over the world yeah and even like the smallest communities like in in province <laughs> like we're talking this like super small community in, in Alberta and it's like women that used to work on the street right and now they want to like they're trying to they're trying to like look for ways to like come back in their lives right and they're making all these things and they connected with us because we're like yeah we love your comeback story and so it's it's like it doesn't matter kind of what fuck up it really was or what not necessarily even your own fuck up it could have been something that was horribly done to you right like as you know mm-hmm. and and so we but we can all get get past it and I didn't get past it because there's no point in trying to get past something you have to like actually learn from it and go through it yeah um, yeah I agree Yay. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Is there anything else that you want to share or like any message that you want to leave the listeners with? Um, I don't know. I think it's just like, there's probably like a million little things in there, but I think, I don't know, having the ability to forgive is your best asset. I think mm. forgive and forge ahead. Love that. Beautiful. <laughs> Yay. Thank you so much, Emily. No problem. Thank you. Morally, darling. Thank you so much for listening, loves. Emily is such an inspiration and such a fun human to speak to as well. Definitely follow her and Come Back Snacks on Instagram and check out those resources that she named. Those are all in the links in the show notes. Please do share this podcast and leave a review if this resonated with you. It really helps us to amplify these messages. And like I said, finally, you can check out all of the offerings I have at marleylist.com slash workwithme. It's also been amazing to hear about your reflections from my ebook, 22 Journal Practices for Sensual Self-Love, for the rest of the month of January. That's available for just $12, and then the price is going to go up. So that is available at marleylist.com slash 22. I'm sending you all so much love, and I can't wait to share next week's episode with you.